Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading of scripture and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. It's the 24th Tuesday in Ordinary Time. It's also the Feast of St. Januarius, who, by the way, the report has come from Italy that uh, his blood did in fact liquefy. It happens every year on this day. It's one of so many miracles that the Lord gives us to uh, confirm us in our faith. And uh, anyway, today's reading is from the Gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus journeyed to a city called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd accompanied him. As he drew near to the gate of the city, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he was moved with pity for her and said to her, Do not weep. He stepped forward and touched the coffin. At this the bearers halted, and he said, Young man, I tell you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, exclaiming, a great prophet has arisen in our midst, and God has visited his people. This report about him spread through the whole of Judea and in all the surrounding region. So today we have one of three times that Jesus is going to raise someone from the dead, other than himself. We have the little girl, when he says Talitha Kum, and... That was the story where there was also the woman with the hemorrhage. And anyway, she was the daughter, I believe, of the synagogue official. Then we have the story of Lazarus, of course, who, by the way, there were three other people in Lazarus's tomb. Otherwise, Jesus would not have said, Lazarus, come forth. Ha ha, that was a joke. And then there's this one going to the city of, I don't know how you say it, Nain, 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 and there is a widow and her only son has died and the, she, the the son is being carried out the body is being carried out of the city and it says that Jesus was moved with pity for her and said do not weep I, and then it says after the miracle that he gave him back to his mother. I want to focus on do not weep. And I want to say to you, weep. <laughs> because Why am I laughing? Because her tears got Jesus's attention. Jesus cares about how you feel. And so many people out there think he doesn't. And so I think that's just such an important moment for us to focus upon. There's so many miracles, and it's hard to know what to preach about sometimes when you're just going one miracle after another after another, because the gospel's filled with these miracles. So other than saying, yay, Jesus, Jesus is awesome, Jesus is God, we love Jesus, and we want miracles too, you know, we have that understanding. So let's focus upon the circumstances. Jesus is moved with pity. Jesus notices the tears of this woman. 
In, and I know I've talked about this before, in Pope John Paul, a.k.a. Carol Wojtyla's book, Love and Responsibility, there's a section where the future Pope talks about the levels of relationship. And this is very... Love and responsibility, we're not yet at the point of the theology of the body where he's basing it on Scripture and the Old Testament, you know, the Gospels and the Old Testament, but he bases love and responsibility on philosophy. And yet he 100% backs up church teaching. He's completely in line with church teaching. But, and and this was even a big, uh, it had a huge influence on Humanae Vitae, Pope Paul VI, confirming once again the church's teaching on contraception being immoral. Of course, abortion being immoral as well. But Pope John Paul bases this on philosophy, and the philosophy is, so therefore it's, it's human knowledge, it's common sense, it's logic, it's a lot of these different things, you know, the human sciences mixed together. Pope John Paul studied what we call phenomenology. Phenomenology is something that I've only recently learned about. We didn't learn about it. When I, when I took my philosophy courses in college, we never covered phenomenology. Maybe if I had taken some more courses, we would have. I never took contemporary philosophy, so that's probably why. But I have other friends that have taken it, and then recently I took a course on it, and it's just amazing stuff. It's really, really great. Phenomenology, especially what Pope John Paul does with it in his life, in his teachings, in his theology of the body, it takes... Um, traditional thought, metaphysical thought, Catholics follow generally the philosophy of Thomas Aquinas, who is all about metaphysics, all about the reality of something is and why does this exist? And then there's epistemology. How do we know that this exists? The study of wisdom and knowledge. But yes, metaphysics is just about reality. And so we talk about reality. Of course, subjectivism, that we have in our day and age, relativism goes against metaphysical thought. Phenomenology, however, takes metaphysics in another in a, in a good direction, and in it's one more taking one more step forward. And that is that every, even though we do not deny truth, and we do recognize the truth about every single thing, every single person, it takes it a step further in that we recognize the uniqueness and unrepeatability of every person, and even every circumstance and everything. So phenomenology, if we follow it to its conclusion, we're not just saying, I mean, this is ultimately where this is going. Aquinas, and by the way, Thomas Jefferson was reading Thomas Aquinas when he wrote the Declaration of Independence. So Thomas Aquinas would instruct us that every human being is made in the image and likeness of God. Every human being is deserving, worthy of respect and dignity. Phenomenology would take it even a step further, that every human being, while deserving of respect and dignity, every human being is unique and unrepeatable. Therefore, every, everything about them is unique. When, when we're called to respect a person, we're not just called to say, like, okay, this is good, this is bad about this person, but, um, you know, they have unique circumstances. They have unique thought. They have unique feelings. Everything about them is different than everyone else that ever lived. And therefore, when considering this person, there's a whole lot deeper we can go. In heaven, we're going to see it all. We're going to fully appreciate and love it all, everything about everybody. And we're going to see the depths of Almighty God. 
But here on earth, we're called to grow in our understanding of the other and the world around us, to go deeper. So every person is unique and unrepeatable. So what that means is every person has feelings, every person has thoughts and opinions, and while we're not in any way striving to contradict what we already know to be true about reality, still there's a depth. Each person has their own reality. It doesn't mean like, okay, you can have an opinion and then therefore your opinion is now your truth. That's not what I'm saying. That's relativism. But I can say you have your truth in regard to your experience, your feelings, your reactions, your history, your life story. And I'm to respect that. And I'm to, um, you know, do my best to consider that there's all these things that I don't know about you. And therefore, if I truly love you, I will try to get to know you better. I will try to understand things more deeply. And I certainly will not judge you. So phenomenology and ultimately theology of the body is so apropos for the day and age that we're living in. It takes us so much deeper in our ability to evangelize, in our ability to grow in our own faith and help other people grow in their faith. So what does this mean about this gospel? Where, where is this taking us? If you haven't figured it out yet, Jesus loves us even in our feelings and our emotions and in our own opinions, even if some of our opinions are wrong, he still loves us in all these places that are unique to us. He loves our experiences. One um, result of this might be, and, you know, I counsel people on prayer all the time, and people might say, oh, man, I, I get so distracted when I pray. You know, I'm trying to pray about this passage of the Bible, and all I can think about is a conversation I had with somebody yesterday. Well, my response to that, more and more, you know, in the past, I might have said, okay, we got to get rid of these distractions. But more and more now, I would say to that person, you know what? Maybe the Lord wants you to pray about that conversation you had yesterday, and maybe that's why you keep thinking about it. Even if it was a bad conversation, even if it caused you to sin, let's bring that conversation before the Lord and say, Lord, here's the conversation. This person is thinking about it. They're a little obsessed with it. It's triggering things in them. Lord, how can we help this person to understand why they can't break free from their feelings about this conversation? Maybe there's things in there for them to learn about themselves, about the other, about life in general. So even if there's a distraction in prayer, it doesn't have to be a distraction. So a lot of people that stop merely at metaphysics would say, you know what, your feelings don't matter. You know, all that matters is uh, you do right, you avoid the wrong, who cares how you feel, who cares about your circumstances? I mean, a great example of this, and I want to get back to love and responsibility a little bit, but another great example is when teaching in the classroom, I tell the kids the rules. Okay. I tell them what they have to do to get a certain grade. And yet there's this kid or that kid that just keeps breaking the rules. Maybe they're breaking the rules in their assignments. Maybe they're breaking the rules in behavior. Okay. I could just keep giving the same kid the same detention and ultimately they get expelled. Or... I mean, that's one way to do it. And sometimes you got you to go that route, strict discipline. But sometimes maybe the answer is to pull that kid aside and to talk to that kid and say, how are you? What's going on? And maybe they don't even want to answer at first because they don't trust you. Maybe you've been too harsh with them. 
and you've denied the fact that they also have feelings and emotions in addition to their actions and their thoughts. So maybe we talk. And maybe, as has happened in my experience in teaching, I come to find out this kid, his father just left, and he's devastated. Or this kid over here, you know, the parents can't pay their bills, and he doesn't have electricity in his house. And it's devastating. This kid over here maybe is starving because their parents can't afford food. And here I am yelling at him and giving him an attention, when in reality this kid needs to eat. This kid, maybe the school needs to know this kid is suffering. And that's why he's acting the way he is. Now some people might say, ah, you're just a bleeding heart to say that. And yeah, sometimes we take that line of thinking too far. But sometimes, and, and I'm sure, you know, once again, according to this gospel and other gospel passages, Jesus is concerned about our emotions. Jesus cares how we feel. I was getting, I, I said I was going to talk about love and responsibility, and I didn't. But love and responsibility, uh, Pope John Paul, in, the, in that book, Pope John Paul talks about the levels of relationship. And he says, and I, I haven't read it in a while, but I, I quote this all the time. I believe what I'm saying is right. If not, I'm close to being exactly right here, just maybe uh, quoting it a little bit differently. But I believe there were five levels of relationship, the fifth level being marriage, betrothal, he calls it. The first level just being a basic uh, knowing of someone, knowing someone. Yeah, that's that person over there. And two, three, and four are where the relationship develops. Now, not everybody's going to develop into the fifth level, but level two would be a commonality we like this person. We like spending time with that person. Maybe we go, uh, we see a movie, we play tennis, we have lunch together, whatever. Level three is about the emotions. Level four then is about choices and specifically choices to give, choices to love. That's where our Christianity happens in our choices and our actions. But level three is about the emotions. And Pope John Paul does such a good job teaching about this. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's very, very much uh, influenced by phenomenology in that the emotions are important. The emotions are part of what we do to build our relationships. The emotions are part of it. And when we lose the emotions, we need to work on them. We need to go back to them. So, for example, you know, I've counseled couples over the years. And, you know, one couple might say, well, we just truly love each other. But and this is where where most couples are when they're having trouble, uh, you know, different things enter in. Maybe there's a sick child. Maybe they don't spend as much time together, etc. And then the choices start to vary. They loved each other. They were in love with each other. They thought of the other one as attractive, but then they stopped making the right choices. And so very often typical marital counseling would be at a level four, you know, like how do we rekindle the flame? How do we, uh, how do we make better choices? How do we spend more time together? How do we work better together? But sometimes you might meet a couple and a lot of older couples are like this, not, eh, I don't know how many at percentage wise, but you meet a lot of them where they might say, well, we make all the right decisions for our marriage, but we haven't actually had any feelings for each other in 20 years couples that hate each other, yet they still make all the right decisions. Some might say, oh, well, that's the greatest virtue, isn't it? 
you don't even want to and you're still doing it. Isn't that great? Or people that say, oh, I go to church, but I hate it. <laughs> well, okay. I'm glad you're going to church. I'm glad in your marriage you're still doing all the right things, maybe for the sake of the kids or whatever. But if the emotions are missing, and this is Pope John Paul's point in his various teachings, we need to rekindle the emotions. If we've fallen out of love with God or maybe never been in love with God in the first place, we need to rekindle those emotions or kindle them in the first place. God wants us to be in love with him. God wants our faith to be enjoyable. In a marriage, if the emotions are gone, okay, maybe you need to go on some dates. Maybe you need to talk more. Maybe you need to find new ways of expressing affection, etc. We must work on the emotions. That's going to be an important part. So there's the emotions and there's the choices, the choices that can be hard. Anyway, so Pope John Paul says a lot in his writings about the importance of emotions. And Jesus loves our emotions as well. God gave us our emotions. And we should be, now Dr. Conrad Bars is one of the best people to write about emotions. I talk about him all the time. And he says, your emotions are like children. We should love them, but we should raise them. We should train them. We shouldn't beat them up like an abusive parent. And that's what some people that are more traditional want to do to their emotions. Like, oh, my emotions don't matter. Your emotions don't matter. Who cares how you feel? Just do the right thing. Dr. Barr says, however, to be fully healthy and therefore to be holy, because grace builds on nature, we need to rather train our emotions. In other words, you get angry? Okay, it's good to experience that anger. You might be angry for a good reason. But then what do we do with that anger? Do we let it lead us to vengeance and rage? Or do we... Uh, I don't know, try to channel that energy in a positive direction. Like I'm going to try to fix this situation in some way. Maybe fix myself, maybe talk to the other person. If we're sad, very often as Christians, we think we're not allowed to be sad. We're not allowed to simply say the word, ouch. We're not allowed to cry. A lot of men think they're not allowed to cry. It's not manly. <laughs> My grandfather used to say when I was a baby and I would cry, "Yo, tell him he's not he's a boy, he's not supposed to do that." Well, maybe <laughs> that's part of why I struggle with some of the stuff I struggle with because I was told I wasn't I'm not taking this to some extreme degree, but you know, all of us to one degree or another are told at times and sometimes when we're little we're not allowed to express an emotion. My mom kiddingly used to say, "I'll give you something to cry about." Uh, it's good that we cry. It's good that we laugh. It's good that we express anger. Brene Brown, another great author, talks about do with your emotions what you do with a fish that you have to throw back. Catch and release. Catch it, look at it, think about it, maybe enjoy it for a bit, and then you release it. So the emotions are very, very important. They are a gift from God. And this is coming more and more into contemporary thought in Christianity, the importance of our emotions. And it's not just importance for our, our intellectual, but also our emotional and psychological health, but for our spiritual lives. 
bring Jesus your sadness. Bring it to him. Take it to adoration. Spend hours with him with your sadness, with your anger, whatever is there, with your joy. Bring him the joy. Give it to him. Lord, this is awesome. Thank you for this joy. Why am I so joyful about this? Why did I laugh so hard about that thing? And I'm still laughing about it. Bring your laughs to Jesus. I remember joking years ago with a friend who was very serious saying like, oh, I can't believe you're laughing. And we just prayed. I didn't, <laughs> that's not how I felt. I was making fun of her and maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe that was a little too extreme on my end to say that, but I was addressing this issue of her being very religious and very serious. And you know, in, in heaven, there's going to be laughter. It's going to be lots of laughter. C.S. Lewis says the devil hates laughter because it's in heaven. There is no laughter in hell. So, and who knows what, you know, with regard to the emotions, I don't know. I, I heard something once that Our Lady had said something about hell in, in one of her private apparitions, something about, you know, in hell, the souls become complacent. They don't feel their emotions. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I, well, nothing's good in hell, but yeah. Um, emotions are a gift from God. When they're negative, when they're positive, we should feel them. We should express them. We should you know, take note of what's going on and then bring that to Jesus. Jesus was moved with pity for the widow that lost her son. Jesus is moved with pity for you in all things. He's more loving than everybody else. He's not like us. He's more loving. When you lose your keys, he's moved with pity. When you stub your toe, he's moved with pity. Let's bring him to the Lord. Bring it all to the Lord and uh, ask him, you know, it's, it's how to go deeper in prayer. Bring him your sadness. Bring him your joys. Bring him your anger. And don't just, don't, he's the Savior. You're not the Savior. I, how many times in my life have I not even shown the Lord my emotions because I thought, well, he's going to think I'm a sissy. And I just need to suck it up and suffer because he suffered. And just, just you know, push forward, push forward, regardless of how I feel. And that's not how God is. God is a merciful God. God is a compassionate God. Compassion. He has passion, compassion for all the things that we feel. I know I'm repeating myself now and <laughs> going long here. And our lady is the same way. Our lady wants to just, she's such a good mother. She wants to hold us when we cry. She wants to share with us our joy. She wants to laugh with us. And, um, you know, this is the way to virtue, to be honest, even honest in our emotions. Okay, I'm going to end it there. I hope everybody has a great day. God bless you. And let's keep each other in prayer.